This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. So we are in part six. We're about halfway through. At the end of today, we'll be halfway through the book of Ecclesiastes. This will take us uh, to the end of February. And today we're talking about enjoying God's good gifts. And we're going to talk about contentment. And so maybe you've heard it said that marketing, uh, the goal of marketing is to make you unhappy with what you currently own. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You should be bored with it. I, the iPhone 13 is a piece of junk you want the 14, right? And that's, that's marketing. I'm convinced, though, technology is now at a place, if marketing says, uh, I want something, technology is now built to say, you can no longer use what you have. You must get the next thing. And maybe I'm becoming an old, grumpy curmudgeon, but I got to tell you, I am so sick and tired of updates. Is anybody with me? I'm just tired of updates. I knew the 830 would be with me. Your watch, your phone, your TV, your computer, everything was working great yesterday until you woke up this morning and they said, sorry, I know everything was dialed in perfect, but we have an update. It'll take you three to four days to get back to your normal life. I hate it. I hate everything about it. And we have a TV the other night. This is where Amy and I are at. It said, oh, we're going to be an update. It's going to take five minutes. And we didn't wait the five minutes. We turned the TV off and we were done for the night. I'm just not, I don't even have the patience for the five minutes of an update. Uh, my watch this morning's not working because it needs an update, and it's needed one since October. I don't know why I put the thing on every day, because when I need to tell time, I have to pull my phone. Anyway, so we were driving the day after Christmas to Chicago, Amy and I, and Carson was in the back seat, and uh, Amy has a newer car with the bells and whistles, and as we're driving up the road, Carson and I start blaring the country music. Carson goes, Dad, can you put the music up front? You've had your kids do that. And I said, no. And I mean, he was like, and I'm not, I'm usually more agreeable than that. And he's like, what is going on with dad? Ask me a second time. No, seriously, dad, I'm trying to listen up. Can you please put the music up front? I said, I won't. I'm not going to do it. Third time, and I can see him in the rearview mirror looking at me like, what is his problem today? Dad, I'm really, I'm asking nicely, would you please put it up front? I said, let's just be honest, Carson. I don't know how. All right. Uh, <laughs> And my fear is if I put it up front, we'll never get it in the back again. That's kind of what I'm doing. So Amy and I figured it out. Not only did we put it in the front, we put it on the left front speaker. So stereo is done in Amy's car from here on out. And so 8.30, as you become old and senile and hate technology like I, what we're learning in Ecclesiastes is to ask these relevant searching questions about the meaning of life. And today we're going to talk about enjoying God's good gifts because we talk a lot about God blessing us, but do we talk enough about once we've been blessed and we have some wealth or have some possessions? And when we say wealth today, I just love what Jimmy talked about last week. He put it in perspective for those of you who think you might not be wealthy, and he put it in a, a perspective of the whole world, saying we, we have some things and we are blessed in this nation but do we talk enough about the ability to enjoy what God gives us? And the first two verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, Solomon says, I've seen another evil under the sun. If you're new to our series, Under the Sun, we're just talking about life here upon earth, this side of heaven. 
and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their hearts desire. So what happens when you've been blessed, when you've received possessions, when you've worked a little bit in your life, you have a few bucks, you have a home, you have a car, you're dressed, you're here today, but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them. He is the giver of these gifts and the one who enables us, who gives us the ability to enjoy them. And we've all met people, we've all been guilty of this ourselves, not going God's way and not enjoying what he's given us, the way he has called us to enjoy it. And we want to look at that today. How do you, how do you enjoy these gifts? So people do not have the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. And we're going to see that played out more in this text. This is meaningless and a grievous evil. And John Piper, summing up the first two verses of chapter 6, says this. The book of Ecclesiastes is meant to expose the emptiness and futility and frustration and final misery of life. Don't stop there, because this would be a depressing book to be in. The solution here is he's talking about all of this without God. So you and I are talking about how do we pursue life and get to the end of life. Today we're going to see not just the possessions that we may gather in life and the wealth, wealth we may accumulate, but what happens too if you live a long life and you live many years and you have many children and yet you do all of that without God. Futile, empty. You've wasted your time. But then this is what verse 2 is driving at. One man gets rich and gets the ability to enjoy his riches. Another man gets rich and loses his ability to enjoy it. And we're going to see two ways specifically today how that happens. And the lesson from both is this. And this is the key. This is our takeaway from today. It's where we're going to start and it's where we're going to end. Don't set your heart on riches. Don't set your heart there. Enjoy what you've been given, but don't, don't live there. And, and so we're going to build this out today. And so here's the secret for us. And it's not a secret. I love this. And I love how Dave Ramsey often brings that up. We, we talk about the secret of this, the secret of that. It's not a secret. We're, God's not keeping any of this from us. Pursue life with God and enjoy what he's given you. If you want to enjoy what God gives you, be grateful, receive it with thanksgiving, be generous your parents taught you this, the Bible teaches us this, learn to share. You're a steward of what God has given you. Don't keep it all to yourself. Learn to give freely. And we're really going to get to this one today. Be content. Right? Let, let your mind and your eye, what your eye sees, Solomon's going to build out, what it sees right now, what is in front of you right now, learn to be grateful, generous, and content with that rather than letting your appetite constantly Move toward the next and strive toward the next. Uh, I, I want to I make sure as we go through this today, too, that we're thinking about it as parents. Because uh, I've told my kids for years, I don't mind spoiling you so long as you never act spoiled. I think that's how God treats us. I don't mind blessing you so long as you never act like a spoiled brat acting entitled and like you deserve it and you're owed this. Our friend Carrie Newhoff puts it this way. Kids who feel entitled to everything will be grateful for nothing. Kids who feel entitled to nothing will be grateful for 
everything. And that's where we want to drive today with the generosity piece. Eugene Cho says it this way, generosity is what keeps the things we own from owning us. Right? So today what we're talking about is how to enjoy and not allow the good gifts that God gives us that we've seen in the first several chapters of Ecclesiastes. How do we keep them from owning us? How do we keep them from, from creating greed in our hearts? How do we keep them from, from moving us toward entitlement? How do we keep these good gifts uh, where they need to be, continually pointing us to the giver and not resting and settling with just the gift. In Luke 12, 15, we read Jesus saying, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of your possessions. You came into this world with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. Last week, we were in chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes, and just want to talk briefly about uh, two ways in which people are unable to enjoy what they have been given. Verses 13 and 14, I've seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded, let's talk about that for a little bit, to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Now, I want to ask this question of this group today. How many of you have a collection? You collect something. Let me just see your hands. All right, what do you collect? Airplanes. All right, he collects airplanes. All right. Again, there's four ways to give at this church. You can give in offering boxes in the back. You can give in the deal. You can give over there. You can give over there. So I've, I was not expecting airplanes, but are you talking full-size airplanes with, oh, little airplane? Oh, okay. All right. So how many collect cars? Okay, that's good. Uh, anybody like jewelry, spoons, that type of thing? Now, I know I'm going to get hands raised on this in the 1130, but I just want to check on the 830. How many collect shot glasses? Okay, we got one, two, three, four, 1130. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a collection. But it's exactly, it's, this, it's the whole book of Ecclesiastes, and it's what Jimmy said last week about dreams. There's nothing wrong with dreams. Dreams void of God, let them be far from me. I don't want to waste my time with those. Collections void of God, right? What, what do you do with a collection? A, a collection, you should be uh, grateful. You should be generous. I, I, I never intended to collect this, but I, I, I have a collection. I collect stickers. I'm a real, real extravagant individual. Uh, but they're primarily fishing stickers, and even more specific, fly fishing stickers. And I gather them from all over, and people give them to me, and I know I buy unnecessary amounts of them, but I have a whole drawer full of them. And when our kids get a new water bottle, and they, they want to put some of the stickers, and Yeti has a ton of stickers too on it, my son will bring his water bottle in, and, and uh, I'll open the drawer. And I, I don't know what gets over me, but I'm like, help yourself, right? I just, I'm like, like, okay, but there's a few of them I've hidden way down in the bottom <laughs> that I hope you don't see. My favorite sticker of all, remember Bernie Sanders wearing the mittens, they're sitting there like this at the deal? I have that sticker with him sitting on a Yeti holding a redfish, and it's my favorite sticker. And I've, I've moved it to another drawer so it doesn't end up on my son's water bottle. I love that sticker. Isn't that terrible? Can I tell you how much that sticker costs? $3.99. And I'm holding it like I don't. This is ridiculous. 
this is insane. But this is what our possessions do. They get a grip on us if we're not careful. Even as simple as a sticker. I love this show. Absolutely love this show, American Pickers, with Mike and Frank. I, I, but I, I got to tell you, I'm yelling at the screen sometimes. I don't understand. They'll go to some guy's place, and he'll have 14 shipping containers in the back of his property that have weeds growing up taller than the shipping containers. They'll open one that hasn't been opened in 20 years. They'll dig through it. Mike will get in there like a rat through a maze, right? Get all the way to the back, pull out this sign, just this rough sign, and go, man, I like the subject material. I like the graphics. It's in pretty good shape. I'll give you $100 for it. And what does the guy say? No, no, I think I'm going to hold on to that. And I'm, I'm sitting there with Amy going, all right, he hadn't seen it in 40 years. He hadn't seen it in 40 years, and I don't want to bring up the obvious. Bro, you're 92 years old. You're 92. You ain't got many years left upon this earth. And your kids are going to have to come and open up all 14. They're going to sell these containers by the lot. What in the world are you thinking? But we do this. We do this. We let our stuff just build and collect. This is not how God intended for us to enjoy hoarding. What did he say? To the harm of its owner. This is one show I can't watch. I, I don't watch this show. And I'm sad when I watch that show. And I deal with enough sin and sadness and brokenness in the world as part of my job that when I come home, I don't want to consume it as entertainment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So I don't watch sad things on TV. It's why I won't be watching the Cowboys tomorrow night. I'm not going to, I'm just not going to watch it. But I did watch the Jaguars. Was that not unbelievable last night? That was unbelievable. That just blew my mind. Amy's like, what has happened to you? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I'm staying awake way longer than necessary. But anyway, let's get back on track. I'm not, this show is, this show, I mean, you deal now with mental illness and you deal with people who have just allowed it to stack up waist high shoulder high to the ceiling high in their home. And, and you see what it done. I, I mean, we have a story in this town of, of a, a home that was recently um, purchased by someone, a realtor in our town I was talking to, and, and a couple died, younger than me. I mean, and you could, you could point a lot of their death back toward hoarding. Hoarding, it actually took their lives just because of what they were living in and the way they were living, sad. And so I, I, I go back to collections, and, and this movie just popped in my brain this week. Anybody remember Mr. Miyagi's car collection in Karate Kid? And this was a big part of Daniel Sun's training. And uh, it's, I, I went back, and you can rewatch just this clip when Mr. Miyagi walks out and, and just goes to Daniel Sun, choose. Oh, what a great line in the movie. And what's Daniel Sun say? No, no, I can't. I can't do it choose. And you know, I think, I don't know a lot about cars, but I, he picked the nicest one. I think the movie, I mean, it's definitely the one that pops off the screen, choose, and he gets in it, and they just have this moment of honor. And as he's driving off, it's the most iconic line in the movie. Bonsai, Daniel-san! And he yells back, Bonsai! And you see, he says it three times, nothing but joy in Mr. Miyagi. They're not trying to teach a spiritual lesson in Karate Kid right here, but you get it. This is exactly follower of Jesus, what we're called to do with what we have. And when we give, there's great joy. And I'm just going to give this just practical application. This is just, you don't have to do this, but maybe think about it. If you have a collection, consider 
offering something from that collection this week to someone. <laughs> mm. And don't, <laughs> I, I don't need a toy plane, but I, I was going to say that. That's why I, was, I had that. When you said planes, I'm like, this is it, Lord, we're finally, the church is getting a plane. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we ain't going to be that church. Anyway, only at 8.30 do I say that. That does not go out online. I will, anyway. Consider it. Consider what an opportunity for I'm gonna I'm gonna give away Bernie Sanders this week. Oh, what a what a giant! And as, the moment I give it away, I will be online ordering two more. I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> so I know it's a little different if you collect cards. And I know some of you are like, oh, easy to give a sticker away. I got to give a car away. I'm not telling you to do anything. But I'm just I'm just what joy! And as and as I hand that sticker to whoever it's gonna be, it will be bonsai. Bonsai, I don't, I don't want harm brought to me because of things that I need to hold on to. I have a dear friend in this church who is just the perfect example of this. And I remember years ago him telling me, everything I own is yours. Whatever you need to take it. If you just need to borrow it or take it, it's yours. And, and you go, well, that was hyperbole. That was just him having a spiritual moment. Dead sincere. And, and, and you're like, have you, what, have you, what have you got? What did you take from that? Nothing that I've asked for. But again, he's just like this with everything. And the more, I don't know, it just, I just noticed successful people share. When he's like this, it's just, it, his hands are never empty because he has more to give. That's only the first two verses. We've got to jump into verse 3 of chapter 6. A man may have 100 children and live many years. So now we're talking about you've been blessed with possessions, and now you've been blessed with long life and family. Yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial. Now, i got to be honest. This is going to get to a pretty difficult part in the text and the word picture that Solomon is going to use uh, to describe this person who goes through a meaningless life, who goes through a life accumulating, possessing, building wealth, and, and it's all void of God. And here's, here's how he's going to be compared. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. This is difficult. But what he's, what he's driving at here is that stillborn child is at least going to rest, is going to a place of rest, whereas the man that may live a 100 years becoming very wealthy spinning his wheels, or as Solomon would say, chasing after the wind. He's had no rest, and his life has been meaningless. And he uses a stillborn child in that comparison. Verse 5, or verse 4, it comes without meaning. It departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more, and here it is the idea, rest than does that man who has just chased after the wind and ended a long, prosperous life with no meaning. That's a tough text to read. Even if he lives a thousand years, twice over, but fails to enjoy his prosperity, do not all go to the same place. That man and that stillborn both end up in the grave. Not an easy text to, pro 
to process through. Verse 7, we're going to get a, now we're going to get into some Proverbs. But everyone toils, uh, their toil is for their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. So now we're going to move to this idea of contentment. What advantage have the wise over fools? What do poor, the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves before others? Verse 9, this proverb, better what the eye sees. In other words, what he's saying is what's in front of you, what you already have, what you've already earned, what you've already accumulated, what you've already been given. Better that than the roving of the appetite. Then the constantly, picture this in your mind, what's in front of you, what you have, the roving of the appetite is constantly overlooking that. It's, it's right here, but I can't keep my eyes on it, and I can't be thankful for it, and I can't share this because I'm constantly looking for more. We call that the myth of more, right? More will satisfy me. If I just get more of this, and, and that, is the, that is the inability to enjoy what you have. You're not... You're not taking full advantage of what you've already been given because your appetite is striving for more. This too is meaningless and a chasing after the wind. And the idea here now that's brought to us is contentment. And let's talk about what the Bible says about contentment. Enjoy what you have rather than longing for what is out of reach. And number one, contentment keeps me grounded in Christ. I don't know who said it. I know a lot of pastors say this, so I don't know who to attribute it to, but I've been thinking about it all week. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So whether you have little or you have much, whatever your bank account, whatever your collection, whatever you possess, whatever square footage is in your home, right, we receive it with thanksgiving, we share and we're generous, and we learn to be content with it. Contentment keeps me grounded in Christ. We read in Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money. If you're new to the church, if you're new to the Bible, uh, if you're a new believer, you maybe have heard it said, because it pops up online from time to time in memes, uh, that money is the root of all evil. That is not what the Bible teaches. Possessions are not the root of all evil. Wealth is not the root of all evil. The love of money, and as Jimmy shared last week, you can't love both God and money because you will end up serving the one and hating the other. So it's not about how much you have, and it's not about wealth. That's not evil, but it is the love. So keep your lives free from this is what the Scripture teaches us. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Possessions with God, that is what begins to bring meaning. It keeps me grounded in Christ, and I want Christ to be my source, not my stuff. You hear it said around here often, people, places, things, terrible source of life. Your spouse, not your source of life. Your children, not your source of life. Your job, not your source of life. Your bank account, not your source of life. Your paycheck, not your source of life. Jesus is your source of life. Keep that first and foremost. Number two, contentment avoids conflict with others. James says in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Every time I read this, I think about the sandbox or the playground. And this is where most of us learn to share. I'm not against organized sports at all. I think organized sports are great. But I, I do caution parents from putting their children in them too early 
because they need to spend some time in unorganized activities on the playground because that's where you and I learned our life negotiation skills. And I'm just telling you, mom and dad, and especially the helicopter parents in the room, let me encourage you. Go put your child on a playground and back off. Let them learn how to share. Let, now, you can step in if there's going to be harm done, if there's bullying. Or, I get all of that, but I'm saying when there's one toy and two children, let them be the ones to figure out what to do. And then you get to teach them. When you see the tug of war happening and they sound like that, those birds on Nemo, mine, 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 mine. But you and I, this doesn't just happen to us when we're children. What causes quarrels and fights among you, follower of Jesus? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Don't they come from that place where I want something and I don't get it? This is the source of discontentment. I want something, but it's out of reach. So I'm not going to enjoy this because that thing I keep striving for, I keep chasing after, I can't have. So it causes quarrels and fights, and it spells it out clearly. James does in verse 2. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. I'm going to take it by force. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. And even James, I just hope you see this throughout all of Scripture. You do not have because you do not ask God. You have forgotten the source. And you think it's the other person. When we're content, when we're content with what we have, right, it, it brings health to our relationships. I told Amy, you're loving this message, aren't you? Because my wife hates hoarding. Like we are, I am filling up. I don't know how I throw so much stuff away, but I've been going down to the transfer station throwing stuff away. And it's just, and she says, oh man, when you pull out of the driveway with a truck full of nonsense, she says, it's like this, this spiritual, emotional, relational burden is lifted from my shoulders. And I'm just like, wow, I, just, I don't have that same experience. I'm, I'm the one looking where my tires are going at the transfer station for all the roofing nails to make sure uh, I'm not leaving with a punctured tire. But she just is like, man, and she lives by the motto, every square inch you own owns you. It can, it can get a grip on you. Let's not let this stuff. I love it when she tells me, hey, let's just have some fun today. I'm like, I'm ready for fun. What are we doing? Pick 10 things in your closet that you can donate. That's, that's I was thinking, let's go, let's go to Cracker Barrel. Let's do something. But let me tell you, but let me tell you, in marriage and family with our children at work, right, the quarrels and fights you have at work because that, that, that promotion that you want, that you think you deserve and it is yours, and it is given to someone else. What causes quarrels and fights among you? It, it's you want, you can't have it. So we grumble, complain, argue. Scripture goes on. Two more things about contentment. Contentment gives me peace in all circumstances. This brings Philippians 4.13, that is often misquoted in the church, into context, into biblical context. And what Paul's going to do is talk about the extremes in life. And we might use the term, whenever I read this, I think of feast or famine. You've all experienced this, right? You've had good years that were like feasting, and then you've had rough years in your business or in your home, and that was like famine. And Paul says, I've learned the solution to feast or famine. I, I, know, what, I know the key to that. I know how I can weather the differences between the two. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whatever the extremes of life may be throw at me. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know, I know famine. 
And I know what it is to have plenty. I know feasting. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed with plenty or in need. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this. Not anything I want. That's often how we read Philippians 4.13. I can do whatever I set my mind to. I can name it, claim it. I can do what I... No. It's I have learned the secret is I can do all of this, highs, lows, through Christ who gives me strength in all circumstances, whether I have little or much. And the last thing about contentment, contentment enjoys the simple things in life. When you're content, you can sit down. I think sometimes, I've never been to Italy but uh, Amy and I watch a lot of movies about it. Uh, one day, maybe go there. I don't know. But I love when I see Italians sit down uh, for lunch with a basket outside near a vineyard. They pull out a loaf of bread, a thing of cheese, and a tomato. And this is their lunch. And I'm, my first thought is, we should have some protein. There should be some protein <laughs> on this, and no, they cut a couple slices of bread, a couple slices of cheese, they have a tomato, and I'm just going, and we just, it's, it's only, we're like fantasizing about it. like, why aren't we doing, and I know I, I know I just had chicken fried steak for lunch with mashed potatoes and gravy, that was a lot, and it's heavy, and I'm feeling it still, but, but those simple things in life, right, and we need to be grateful when we go out to lunch today, or we go home, and we have our food and our drink, and just relax in a home that and maybe it's not the perfect home for you. Maybe it's not the home you've always wanted. But I hope you kick back in your home. And, and, and this is why I think the tiny home movement has taken off. People are like, I, I not only want to enjoy the simple things in life, I want to pursue the simple things in life and be grateful. And I think this goes back, and you read this all the way through Ecclesiastes. We read, if I'm, if I'm finding joy in food and drink and my labor under the sun... I will be content with that. In 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, we read, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. This is where your parents got that line. Uh, <laughs> but if we have food and clothing, we're going to praise our Father in heaven today. I think this is what Jimmy was driving at all last week, right? It's just, you're wealthy. You're wealthy more than you know, my friends. We have food and clothing. We will be content with that. Those who are always striving for what's out of reach, those who want to get rich, have you ever had anybody try to, you know, sell you on a business that they're in and, and they're, they're, they're wanting you to get into it because so you can make a lot of money? I always love when people ask me, uh, what would you do with an extra couple thousand dollars a month? I always love to respond the same. Oh, I don't want that burden. That just seemed, that's, I ain't got time for that. Like, you can tell that that's not in what the, I was my training. Uh, uh, what, what would you do if you could make this? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to make that. That seems, I, have a, I have dear friends who just sold a business and made a lot of money, and I just see it resting on them. They have a, a huge responsibility now. And I'm like, I, and I, I'll tell people, man, I've got so much going on in my life with family and ministry and all of that. I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't even have time to manage that extra money or business. And some of us need to just... Not only be grateful for the food and clothing, but let's be grateful for the work that God is sending you to later today or tomorrow or this week Amen. and what he's given you. 
Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and so many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Here it is again, what we just talked It's the love of money. It's not money, the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. Some people eager for this have wandered from the faith, right? Because you can't serve both God and money. You're going to pick one or the other. And today we're seeing its life and possessions with God, not without him. They've wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Let's end in Ecclesiastes 6, 10 through 12, as we talk about God's divine providence. It's how the chapter starts. It's how the chapter ends. And I know sometimes uh, we believe that we know better than God. We know our needs better than God. We know what would satisfy us better than God. And that's what the last three verses are going to deal with, the limitations of our human wisdom. We like to ask God, that's, and we've been taught that today. If you don't have, ask God. But let's be very careful, follower of Jesus, that we don't demand things from God. We can be grateful for what we have. We can ask the Lord, but understand our limitations. His divine providence, unchanging, it's inscrutable. But we often have this, well, we, we live with sin, so we often have this idea that man knows best. We live with this idea that I know what's best for me. No, God knows what's best for me. And in Ecclesiastes 6, and we'll end with these three verses, whatever exists has already been named and what humanity is has been known. God knows from beginning to end, you don't and I don't. No one can contend with someone who is stronger, but yet we do it with God. And look at verse 11. We think, well, let's just fill the room with words. Let's just continue to let our knowledge pour forth. The more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? For who knows what is good for a person in life? And here we go back to the vapor, which is the theme throughout all of Scripture. During the few and meaningless days, they pass through like a shadow or a vapor. We're here for a short time. Let's not misuse the blessings God has given us. Let's make the most by being grateful, generous, and content. Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? Two things I read this week to just encourage you as we close. Warren Wearsby says, if you devote your life only to the pursuit of happiness and the gathering of possessions, you will be miserable. You will find no joy in life. However, if you devote your life to doing God's will, you will find happiness as well for the long run. Paul David Tripp said this, creation was never designed to satisfy your heart. Creation was made to be one big finger pointing you to the one who alone has the ability to satisfy your heart. The contented heart is satisfied with the giver and is therefore freed from craving the next gift. And that's the point of this whole message, right? It's the point of this whole chapter, that we would be grateful for the gift in front of us rather than living with a constant craving of the next gift, and that we would leave here grateful for that. And every time you give, every time you tithe, every time you give an offering, it is a reminder to each and every one of us that we are stewards of all that God has given us. We own nothing. He owns it all. And that's why we read in Acts, in him we live and move and have our being. He is the source of all life. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive our good gifts today. We will be grateful for the food and the drink and the work that is ahead of us this week. 
we receive it with thanksgiving. We'll be generous. Uh, we're not going to be hoarding uh, what you've given us. We know that life is not about the accumulation of our possessions, uh, but our joy is found in you and you alone. So what you give us, may we have open hands with it to give to those who are in need, to leave for our children, to care for those around us. Whatever is brought before our eyes this week, uh, whatever is given to us this week, may we say thank you for what our eyes see rather than striving for that next gift. Thank you for how you have provided for this church. Uh, we are nothing but grateful, and I know we joke about not wanting to screw this up, but we want you to be the one who receives all the glory, all the praise for everything going on in this church and how you use us. Use us how you will uh, to continue to reach this community and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said,